Welcome to Tea O'Clock with Keller. Bring your tea and leave with more. Hello. <laughs> Hello, welcome back to another episode. Yeah, back to another literary episode as well, our favourite. Yeah. And I'm very excited for this because we both read this book, really liked it, and haven't really spoken about it much together. No, because I think as soon as... I finished it I thought oh this would make a good episode so I was like I need to contain myself and not yeah play. so we've contained um, ourselves it's been a few months for each of us yeah I think it was one of the last books I read of 2022 yeah, so what a way to end the year yeah what a way to end the year it's a good book and I think it was one of my kind of middle ones read it on holiday yeah. so but, yeah yeah, yeah. Thanks for lending me the copy and making this episode possible. Anytime. I mean, you've lent me many a books for our podcast episode. <laughs> so <laughs> I certainly had a panic last night of, oh my God, did I ever send it back to you? Yeah, yeah you did. Okay. <laughs> On my <I'm> shelf. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, so um, we're talking about Stoner's Day. I mean, it's in the oh, title, sorry. to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be in the podcast title, so you'll know. What it yeah, is. yeah. Um, Published in 1965 by John Williams, who is, yeah, he's not any other John Williams, you know, separate guy. Yeah, yeah. I feel like John Williams is quite a kind of common name. It's two very common names, you know? Yeah, true. Yeah. I don't know what else he wrote, but. Um, He wrote something that was like a Western vibe. I don't really know. But yeah. But this is definitely his like standout book. And I think on the front, does it say something like, this is the greatest book you've never read? Yeah, exactly. And it, it's had a massive resurgence. Like no one really read it at the time, but because mm. um, it was championed by who wrote the intro? John something, another John, John G. I can't remember, but it was a, the, whoever wrote, oh, John McGahan. He, uh, this is another author and he proper championed it and said to publish it's like you should really should publish it in the noughties um well like redo it um and then even then it didn't do amazingly and then for some reason it just massively took off in like 2013 ish yeah really well since then only in the uk though really he's not done that well in america which is something to come on to considering it's written by an american mm. in america about America mm, interesting. I hadn't really thought about that but anyway we mm. will hold that thought yeah and start with our what we've been consuming yeah this week. Good idea. Mm-hmm. so and I'm going into this completely blind I don't know what you've consumed lately so please tell me Karen. oh thank you <laughs> I don't know why I just said thank you <laughs> <laughs> okay hmm. um I have been listening to and also, please tell me if I already said this, because uh, my memory's shocking. Um, F Boys of Literature, the podcast. No, you haven't. Okay. Um, I listened to the episode on The Glass Menagerie, and it's essentially, like, there were two girls, and it's only, like, a 20-minute-ish long episode, but they have loads of literary ones, Um well, of course, I have boys of literature. Um, listen to it on Spotify. And super interesting because it's American um, 
so it's kind of like the same vibe as what we do but like different perspective obviously like especially mm-hmm. like across countries and with Glass Menagerie being an American play I just thought it was interesting hearing their perspectives as well um and it was just I just enjoy listening now to if I read a book and I really like it or want to analyze it I've just been looking up like I type that into Spotify the book name mm-hmm. and then see if anyone's on an episode on it so that's how I found this one so I um, really, really cool. enjoyed listening to that getting my insight um and then in terms of watching season five of Drive to Survive has just come out at time of recording so I have very much been enjoying watching that I haven't watched that much of it um and it's not a spoiler well because you can't really spoil the series because <laughs> it's already all happened um, but on the first episode two of the team principals are just driving around together um at this vineyard sipping wine and it's so iconic uh, so I've really been enjoying that so I would definitely recommend if any well I was going to say, if you like F1, you probably are watching it. If you don't like F1, I don't know if you'd watch it, but I'm just giving it a shout out. Um, yeah. And for reading, uh, one of the books I read recently was Somebody Loves You by Mona Arshi. And I think it only came out a couple of years ago. And it's only short and it's been described as prose poetry, which I do kind of get, but I was expecting it to be a bit more like... Sarah Crossan where it's like a whole story written in verse but it's not really it's more so like episodic fragments only like a couple page long chapters um and it's all written like fully prose but I think it's just that like the lines are quite kind of like assonant and lyrical so that's why people have said that it's kind of like poetry even though not Mm. Uh, but anyway it's about um, a little girl Ruby um, and she doesn't speak and it's all about her family life um, growing up in London like immigrant experience kind of thing but it's I think what's really good about it is that it doesn't necessarily like it's not super plot heavy all driven by the plot but I think just a writing style is really beautiful mm. so I really recommend that oh that sounds really lovely that's a good little collection of things yeah thank you um, what about you what have you been consuming I don't think I know either so I'm intrigued okay I'm gonna start with the my reading which mm. guess what I read a book that wasn't for university no way no way um and also it was a book that made me feel 14 again because I read it when I was yeah yeah so I went home for a few days and so I was trying to write my diss sample when I was at home and I was just so constantly full of war literature in my head that I was like I need to read something different Mm -hmm. so I looked at my section of YA on my bookshelf and picked up A Court of Thorns and Roses and read that probably a bit too quickly um (laughs) absolutely devoured it yeah bit nostalgic bit self-indulgent not really the best book ever written out there but a good kind of break from everything else and a nice distraction 
So isn't it? Isn't it amazing that you read that when you were fourteen? And this series is still going, right? Like she's still publishing new books. I know she's still going. Like I don't think I'll ever read any of the others again. <laughs> but I think yeah. in that moment, it was what I needed—just something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. So that was quite fun, quite self-indulgent. Um, watching Ella and I watched the Banshees of Inisherin. Oh, is that night. on Disney Plus? Yes, it is. I need to watch it. Okay. Um, no spoilers, but how was it? No spoilers, but it was really good. Really enjoyed it. It's quite a kind of slow-paced, moody sort of film but not in a necessarily overall sad way but kind okay. of sad but also there's some quite funny bits as well mm. so it's it's very good it's very good I can see why so many of them won BAFTAs the other week yeah it, and it's obviously in the Oscars running and things oh, like yeah. that so it was good I really enjoyed it and I think Lovely. yeah Colin Fowler did a great job. They all did a great job. It was, yeah. I'm not really going to say too much about it because I didn't know much about it going into it. No. And I feel like it's a film that's quite good just to watch it. And yeah. Just, just see. I can kind of imagine the vibe from other Martin McDonald stuff I've yeah. seen. And I always enjoy his work. So mm-hmm. maybe that'll be my wife and watching in a couple yeah. of weeks. So very good. Oh. And I've been listening to. A podcast which I don't know whether you know about. I feel like mm. it should be on your radar. Okay. It's not. Sentimental in the city. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I was talking to George from uni mm. the other day. Um and Sex and the City was brought up and we were talking about how much we liked Sex and the City. And then she was like, Oh, have you listened to this podcast? And I hadn't. So I listened to the first episode yesterday. Such great fun, really enjoyed it. It's a kind of offshoot of Sentimental Garbage, which is a podcast by Caroline O'Donoghue, who is an author and other stuff. And in Sentimental in the City, she gets Dolly Alderton, writer of Everything I Know About Love, to come in and they do an episode on each of the series of Sex and the City, whilst getting increasingly drunk on Cosmopolitans. it's just very entertaining and I feel like it's kind of foreshadowing what we're going to be like in the future you know how we're like like analyzing things and like you know coming up with different essays you could write on different things do you like have you listened to it do you like it yeah I did I listened to it as research last (laughs) year (laughs) um I don't know. I'm in two minds about it. Mm. It is fun, but I think sometimes when you have super strong opinions about a show, then when you listen to it, it's different. Like, say, for instance, with like the whole Glee recap and it's yeah. done by the stars of the show. Whereas sometimes when it's other people talking about it, it depth, but I'm a bit like protective. Yeah. If that I makes sense. I do, but then that's kind of like what we do. <laughs> so I don't know but yeah it's definitely worth a listen yeah maybe I'll, I'll re-listen now that I'm out of the throes of doing loads of really intense research on it 
yeah so maybe you'll be able to just kind of take it from more of a pure enjoyment yeah yeah sort of angle that's so rad that you chose that this week after because did I say to you about how um in my mentoring when um my mentor was like oh you're probably a bit too young to know to have seen this show but you know sex in the city and I was like um yeah I know I did my whole dissertation on it (laughs) that is quite funny oh yeah and then having this whole discussion about she's like oh which one are you and I've always said that I'm Miranda and then she said that she thought I was Charlotte and now I'm like oh my god everything's been flipped (laughs) and I don't know Oh, I don't know either. Yeah. Interesting. I always thought you were a bit more of a Charlotte, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. But I guess we are quite similar. Maybe we're a Charlotte. Yeah, man, that is hybrid. true. It's just because I think it's hard because if you say you're Carrie, like Carrie's just annoying. And yeah. then Samantha, obviously, they turn her into like, okay, she's not just the one who goes out and has a lot of sex, but that's like kind of one of her defining characteristics. Mm. Not in a bad way, but obviously, like, we don't do that. Well, she just definitely, like, seems the most confident. Yeah, definitely. So, like, so it's basically, like, are you Charlotte or are you Miranda? Yeah. Anyway, this isn't um, a sex city episode, so... Anyway, let's move on to Stoner. Mm-hmm. And yeah. let's give... I say let's, I mean you, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're willing to. Yeah, <laughs> before. A summary of book let's summarize yeah okay so we know from the beginning that not a lot happens in his life it opens with the preface and it says you know it's about this guy stoner and he just he teaches at a university um he grew up on a farm and this is all like when was he born right at the start of 20th century yeah um, maybe like all right at the end of the 19th and it's just about his university career and getting married and um he has an affair but it's mainly revolves around his life at the uni and um conflicts with other colleagues or students um and he dies and like you know he's gonna die you know he's what, was a 60 or something and yeah when he's dead then like he's not necessarily like achieved that much and a lot of people view that as a bit sad but we'll get on to that it's a fun disagree but yeah it's one of those books that's very similar to Richard Yates or to like Raymond Carver in Sentiment um so it does have a plot but it's not one with loads of drama yeah yeah because even though there are kind of those moments of it it's just all intertwined in his kind of everyday life yeah yeah it feels like the memoir of the I don't like the word ordinary but you know what I mean like the ordinary person yeah no but it is it very much it very much is yeah mm-hmm. he doesn't do anything of massive achievement no or anything but that's not to say he still didn't live a, a good life mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting because there's, I mean, both world wars happen in it, right? Yeah. Um, and, I mean, they do talk about the wars, but they're not, they're a bit more implicit. 
Yeah, and I guess I wonder whether part of that is because it's set in America. Mm. And America didn't have much involvement with the first. And with yeah. the second, not until the latter part. Mm. And then again, there's a whole thing in the book with Stoner not going to the war, but some of his yeah. other colleagues who do and the kind of rift that causes mm-hmm. well yeah. yeah okay one of the first things I think would be interesting to talk about um and then we can get into whatever else you like is about this whole idea of is it in general is it a sad book like does he have a good life that kind of vibe what do you think mm. I don't think I would say it I feel like on the scale, if we were to put books on a scale of happy to sad, I feel like it would sit somewhere in the middle because there are happy bits and there are sad bits. Mm. And I feel like maybe it's it's a very kind of up and down book, say you were to plot the... Why am I using all these like different graphs? The kind of I'm metaphor. loving the graphs, though. I don't know. <laughs> but I feel like if you were to draw a graph of... Kind of the happy and sad bits it would be very kind of up and down which I feel like is very mm. reflective of life itself mm. yeah and yeah potentially you're left feeling a bit more sad at the end because they're kind of like oh well no one's really gonna remember this guy he didn't mm. really do anything great he had an unhappy marriage like he had a strained relationship with his daughter for a while mm. yeah and I guess at the end, he, I don't, he's not fully contented with his life. Yeah. And enough to the point, I don't know. Mm. Mm. What do you yeah. think? Um, I can't really remember what I thought at the time of reading. Um, I don't necessarily think I thought of it in terms of it is like, happy or sad, that black or white. I think I was really getting more like interested in this guy's life. Um, but it was more so when I started Googling it and then people were talking about how they did think it was quite depressing. And then I found, I literally, this is all from Wikipedia and one article in The Guardian from Julian Barnes. Mm-hmm. And um, somewhere on there, um, actual John Williams was talking about how he was surprised by people saying it was that depressing. Um, and he said that he thinks that Stone is a real hero, had a very good life and had a better life than most people do, um, especially because he had some sense of importance in his job and like doing yeah. his job. And I read that and I completely agree with him mm. in that. I think excitement doesn't necessarily equal good. Yes. And I think, as you said, like there's so many ups and downs in it. And you feel really sad for him in terms of, like, he doesn't, his wife's horrible. Um, and then he finds love in his affair and then that has to end. But I think that a lot, you know, I don't think I'm as bothered about being remembered when I die. Yeah. Well, obviously, like, you want your friends to remember, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just in general. Um, and I think if a lot of what he enjoyed in life was his work and that's a pretty successful life for him that you know he like did get a lot of fulfillment from it so Mm. I don't know I I think like maybe if people were saying that it's 
kind of somber in tone are they more so saying that like we have to do something that's like super remarkable for other people like mm. Mm, yeah I don't know I just think like it was just it's just a book about like it could be like so many people's lives you know like I don't exactly. necessarily think it's bad it's just that it's very like real yeah and I and I agree with that and I feel like that's maybe potentially why a lot of people viewed it as really sad because mm. it's not the typical person you would write a novel about mm. novels normally are focused around people who do these extraordinary things who kind of come up against all these different odds that have. yeah so it's I think it was a very like back in the 60s I guess even now you get maybe more books similar to this potentially yeah because it's been more like lit thick as well yeah but yeah. I think maybe that's part of it because it kind of it didn't match people's expectations of what title character of a book mm. should be like yeah and like you say he lives such a like more fulfilled and um successful life for himself when he decides to change from agriculture to English mm. and yeah. making a decision for himself because if he would have taken over the family farm or whatever he probably it probably would have been quite a yeah. sad disappointing book but like you say he's able to find find joy and interest about through his career doing something that he enjoys mm. doing and teaching that I think that's a big moment of yeah of good for him yeah and surely like I think it's more of a book about um aspiring to things yeah. which you said with the farm and that personal fulfillment and and I don't think it was intended it's not really intended as a like this is how to live your life book or like no. a comment on like what success is or not I think it's just very much kind of like celebrating like just human life in general and everyone's yeah. lives like as you say like up and downs but I don't know it's not necessarily like life affirming no but it's it celebrates like the joy you can get from um like seek out knowledge more so kind of vibe yeah yeah although I wouldn't say um when you look on wikipedia it classes it as an academic book like mm. or like a book about academia and I get what they mean because obviously like he is a lecturer and a lot of the book is revolves around the that. university but it? I don't know because like I feel like that's more a facet of his personality rather than because I don't think it's I know I think that's a bit reductive to say it's purely about that because I think it's more of a general like existentialist story <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. I think that is just an attempt to categorize it in mm. some form of genre, and because most of it takes place at the university, because his life becomes his job in a mm. lot of ways. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I don't know what's happening to my voice. Um, I feel like that's a very kind of simplistic way to categorize it. Yeah, as a university book. Mm. No, that actually that's what made me think. It's interesting you say that. It's it's kind of about that life work balance, like how your work becomes your life and your life is 
your work like the become indistinguishable that's yeah interesting so that's again I think that's another reason why I really enjoy it because it's the bare bones of it are really relatable like what is life what balance that's something we all relate to right Mm. and it's like you're just seeing one person's version of that and how Mm. they kind of muddle through everything and it's not often that you get a book where you follow a character from like 16 17 all the way until they die yeah true like it's almost a full life story and you don't often get that in fiction true yeah I'm just thinking what other books would we have read where we get their entire life I don't know could you get a lot of books where you just get like a a small period in someone's life Mm. or it's more focused around an event yeah as opposed to a person Mm. and this is very character central yeah that's not the right way of wording it but you know what no yeah you're right Mm. yeah I don't know you must have read I guess oh. it could be something like, oh, what was it called? The Victorian one. Oh. oh my gosh, what's her name? I don't know. Oh, Jane Eyre. Sorry, no, that's like, I, yeah, not, that's not you like Jane Eyre, with, or if you remember the one we did with, with Jason, um, Ruth. That's kind, but then I guess she dies early. So yeah. Count. Mm. I definitely think nowadays you don't get that as much. I'm thinking of all the books I've read, and like often you think about more like the time period it's set in, but I've never really contemplated about how like how long the course of the book is. And most of them, I think, it's like kind of indistinguishable, and it's probably within like a couple of years. Yeah. So I never thought about it in that way. But it's super interesting that you get. His entire life and also that it's not really a book that you can give spoilers for and you know the ending you know he's dead at the yeah, end yeah. and that you know like didn't leave that much impression on anybody which how yeah what how did you feel about um finding that out at the start I feel like it it weirdly lowers your expectations yeah for the book because you're like okay he's not gonna he's not gonna go on any wild adventures or whatever and I mm-hmm. think it maybe not lowers your expectations but it subdues them in a way yeah and I think if anything that makes you more invested and intrigued in all the little things he does Mm. yeah and like there are actually arguably some quite big things that go on in his life but then again I guess when you take a step back you realize that those are sort of things that happen to probably nearly everyone Mm. in one way or another so it's kind of a weird way yeah. of, kind of leveling him out with all the other people in the world to be like he wasn't really that special but he was still a person and still lived all mm. life yeah in a way mm. that just made me think of two things firstly mm. we were talking about him not being special isn't it interesting that he, I don't think he has that much personality in this not in a no. bad way but is in because correct me if I'm wrong but I don't remember it being first person I don't think it was I don't either and it 
I don't think they discuss that much what's going on in Stoner's head. It's much more like just walks you through the different stages of his life. And so I yeah. think in that sense, you don't get that much of his like, emotional side, really. But I think that's, mm. well, I quite like that because you could easily replace him with so many other people. Yeah, exactly. And still have the same kind of story. So I, I think that's super interesting. Um, and what was the second thing I was going to say now? Hmm. Do you know what? I'm not sure. I just <laughs> thought of that while you were talking and I was like, mm. No, but I think that's very true. And I guess when you phrase it like that, to someone who's not read it, they'd probably be like, oh, that sounds really boring. But it's not. Yeah. It's a really interesting book, even though, it like is. you say, you never get... You never get into his head. You never really figure mm. out explicitly how he feels. I mean, you know how he feels, mm. but you don't get that kind of like jumping into his head, mm. which you do in a lot of other books. Yeah. With characters. And like you say, it's, I wonder whether that's another way of being like, well, you could have picked anyone to write this mm. book about and it still would have been the same sort of book they just would have had yeah. slightly different things going on like you could have picked one of his like work colleagues yeah and the book could have been about him and it would still be as interesting just yeah I reckon so yeah oh as you said that oh, honestly you're just giving me all this inspiration today I thought of three other things well I remember quickly what I was going to say before um yeah. when you said about how with having the preface it makes everything seem a bit more subdued and can focus on little things I think that's so true because normally when I'm reading a book I feel anxious isn't the right word but like you feel slightly uneasy about oh no like are they going to end up okay yeah but I think with this because you already know the end I felt a bit not as stressed going through it and I thought oh he ends up all right well not all right but you know it's like just flies off and so I think there's some kind of ease that comes with reading it because you know that like it all ends up not awfully exactly it's it's almost like he's given you the last page to read yeah which is instead of you having to read the last page yourself yeah which I really like because then it becomes not so much about like the pacing in the book or the plot like oh what's going to happen you can also appreciate just all the minutiae of life which is another one of the I kind of think like purposes of the book definitely Um, it's much more about that than the overall Mm. picture yeah even though it is about the overall picture it's about each of those individual chapters Mm. as such yeah and now I need to remember what the other two things I thought. <laughs> Sorry, I derailed <laughs> well, you again. No, no. Oh, what was the last thing that you said? Um, what was I saying? What was I saying? Oh, no. I need to start noting it down when you're talking because you're just giving me all these. Oh, okay, no, I remember one of them. Yeah, okay. Um, When you were saying about how some people might feel, like, oh, that sounds a bit bleak and boring. Why would you read it? Oh, I yeah, was thinking yeah. that. Why should people read it oh why do you think it's such a good book I don't I don't know if I have an answer for that 
I maybe <clears throat> partially it feels very different to things I've read before and I like mm. reading new interesting different things that don't just feel like carbon copies of yeah. the same story being told again and again and again mm. so I think that's a, a very good selling point for this yeah book. very true yeah I think that there's just an ease to the writing yeah it's I think a lot of it has to do with what I said about knowing what's going to happen mm. I, I think it's just that ease of reading I just it, it's strangely compelling yeah and a relaxing experience and another, I think often we read to be reassured either for escapism or to relate and mm. I really enjoy reading because other people say it better it's yeah. what I'm thinking um and then I yeah take comfort in that so I think I like reading this in terms of it's just uh, as another person who's similarly I mean I'm not academic like him I'm not a lecturer or anything um but I think it was comforting to just read someone who I could see myself in someone who's kind of like an everyman um mm. and to see how he got through all his different like ups and downs in life how he got through all the challenges um and how it nothing's made to seem like everything's very much understated and I think yeah. that's like kind of a nice way of looking at life and so I think yeah it's just one of those books where it's just everything feels easy it's yeah. so so readable and it's I think you will be surprisingly more invested than you expect to be yeah no I, I definitely was because I was mm. like I really want to read a book about just some some random guy who like doesn't really do much with yeah. his life but you are you are kind of weirdly invested in yeah. his life and you want the best for him and I I totally agree with how easy it feels mm. to read it yeah and go on with it and see what's happening mm. in his life yeah and I feel like it kind of potentially makes you yourself attempt to view your life in the same way that this other person is viewing oh, yeah. Stone's life to be yeah. like okay you don't have to do something extraordinary and incredible mm. to still live a live a good life and do what you want to do yeah exactly mm. Mm. I think another thing as well um he just has a lovely writing style and yeah. I think Wikipedia someone said it's like cold clear prose mm. and I, I really like that description it's true yeah um, that's a very apt description yeah 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 so I think that's another selling point and also the fact that even it's not plot driven um it doesn't hinge on any events as such it definitely still has a plot it's not like yeah one of those litfic books where you literally like what is going on like you know what's going on and it's not descriptive like things do actually happen it's just that it's not necessarily like the point or the objective of the book like it's a question like why these things happen or like you know because I mean when you think about it like he um you know there is the war and then he has the question like should he go to war or not and he loses a friend in the war and you know he has he gets married and then his 
wife Edith she you know that's a whole thing therefore relationship and exactly. having and a daughter, daughter and having an affair and the drama in the department like yeah, it, you know, then... there is actually quite a lot so I, I really want to sell this book to everyone it's yeah really really good and I think it's no surprise that it's done so well recently it's kind mm-hmm. of like Sally Rooney if she um was a white man writing like <laughs> 50 years in ago. the 60s in America yeah yeah mm. no I know exactly what you mean yeah um is there anything I mean I have a lot of other questions um but is there anything go, just go that, for it because oh okay because I don't want to like dominate um no no, no. Conversation. but um I so I briefly spoke about this in the intro um what do you make of this whole like how it's now very popular in the UK but not in America what do you think about that I I hadn't even thought of that and I didn't even know that until until you said it Mm. I'm not really sure why I don't know whether potentially for the Americans it would seem more boring because mm. it was more what they used to but then again a lot happens mm. in it it doesn't feel too distant that us as English readers can't imagine yeah I don't I honestly I have no idea well why it's more I, popular um, I personally wasn't sure I talked it down to like I just compare everyone to Sally Rooney now everyone that writes that isn't you know, super like I don't know, like a sci-fi writer with like proper like intense plots. I'm just like, oh, Sally Rooney. So I'm like, that's quite our yeah. vibe. Like, in I don't, it does feel quite British in tone. But luckily, someone, a writer, um, in this article from Julian Barnes, um, has given us the answer. Um, so it's an American writer, I think, called Sylvia Brownrigg, and she said that the reticence seems very not American to her and the character feels more English or European um opaque fundamentally decent and passive and I thought that was super interesting like the idea that I guess maybe yeah that's why we do enjoy it because the character seems British not that I ever thought about him feeling British but I guess like he is if an American saying that isn't that so interesting lol that we're like so I guess because he's the same vibe as like all of us queuing up you know no I know what you mean there is there is a Britishness to him and I wonder whether the university setting plays into that as well yeah you're right because I feel like there are potentially more British stories Mm -hmm. and things that focus on universities and even thinking Mm -hmm. of children's literature the whole school story thing that's such a British genre and this is almost a school if we were to genre it yeah like a lot of people do into a kind of university story it's kind of a school story for adults oh yeah because it's definitely more like um Tom Brown school days than it is like secret history you know yeah Yeah, exactly and I wonder whether that's why the British people British peoples uh, (laughs) that's why (laughs) British readers are kind of more drawn to it even mm. so many years after it was published because of those 
kind of inklings to a school story which was yeah. so used to yeah, that's such which a I don't point. think the Americans are in the same way yeah and you know what that's what you think as well I guess because um it feels a very small novel in terms of its physical location yeah and yeah definitely in the UK obviously everything is so much closer mm. and I think communities can be smaller yeah well I don't know I'm just thinking in terms of say like very broadly speaking in America or like the unis must be so much bigger the campuses and that yeah and also when you think of like all the highways like mm. everything being so much more distant where it's hit everything's very like in close proximity you know and yeah, like, I, I guess it has that similar feel definitely definitely and I agree because I feel like in a lot of American stories about a lot of kind of coming of age and growing mm. up stories about Americans there's normally always them moving completely across the country mm. from where they're from having that big separation and that big distance but here like you say it's all contained mm. he doesn't the university isn't too far from his farm where he grew up he ends up staying in I think is, is it Missouri that he goes to the University of Missouri yeah I think so. yeah yeah and he ends up staying there and living there his entire life and I feel like like you say with the with the space that maybe feels because it's smaller maybe feels more British yeah. as opposed to him being like I'm moving across the country to go to university and restart mm. my life yeah. there isn't that in this mm. no it would definitely be super interesting um if say we have our, our token American friend um on the yeah, podcast with us American friend I'll have to or maybe I'll ask some of my American friends to read this book and get their views I'd be interested to see what they think yeah right Miranda's up Miranda get her this book go let's know (laughs) yeah and you know and another thing actually that this writer said was that um often when books because it comes across as bleak apparently to a lot of people um with the bleaker American literature from I guess like yeah this time period like middle-ish of 20th century and she said a lot of it is not excused but it's related to alcoholism and when you think of Hemingway and things like that yeah yeah, exactly yeah um, exactly that and Carver again and like that doesn't figure in this and I was like that's actually quite an interesting link I never thought about it in that way but yeah is it like when it's bleak it has to be like super super bleak they're like you really want that like intense like gritty like absolute lows you know because this is kind of like mild but then it's interesting because then pretty much all the people we've mentioned apart from Richard Yates love you Richard um I I don't like those other writers Mm. so mm, interesting they're definitely like big American heavyweights so yeah and I don't Mm. I definitely haven't read enough American literature to compare and make a properly fully formed um opinion or whatever but I feel like that does make a lot a lot of sense Mm -hmm. it's not maybe this really completely totally horrible bleak destructive kind of novel that actually is quite mild 
Yeah, and because I think the characters are very narcissistic in those kind of books, like especially in Bukowski. Like, yeah. Mm, like, you know, I'm not a fan. Um, whereas in this, he's, Stone is much more unassuming. Yeah, I think they feel like real yeah. people. Mm, yeah, even say something like when you read um, Rev Road, in mm. that, like, the characters, you, you describe them as like hot tempered. Yeah. people you know whereas in this he's very much he's the center of the book and but he seems like quite neutral in a lot of ways yeah and I feel yeah. like that that also then links back to maybe why we get this British feel to it yeah because mm. of his character and he maybe has more similarities mm. to, I now can't think of any any characters from mid 20th century books um but well, you know what I mean <laughs> yeah yeah no um oh maybe more so actually like in Carol oh yeah mm. potentially yeah um which is actually a nice segue finally talking about women on to yeah, um, talk about women yes before we wrap up I mean, we have not spoken at all about the woman in this novel and there are a lot of interesting female characters I guess it's just because you know like he is the central character and we've been talking more about the novel as a whole and its form and that yeah um, we have. no before we end interestingly um my research of wikipedia uh, turned up that a lot of people have said that it's quite a misogynist book Ooh. and um I have to say I didn't actually think that when I read it and I'm like am I a bad feminist because I didn't think that but what what are your thoughts on that see now I'm questioning whether I'm a bad feminist as well because I went through that book disliking Edith for the entire time oh my god yeah from the moment you're introduced to Edith I didn't like her and I feel like this this bad to say that like literally the first female character apart from his mother and who's the woman he ends up marrying yeah. he just seems to be a little bit she's very cold with him I think she's only mm. a little bit nice to him before they get married and then they get married and she's like okay no yeah and then they have that strange period when she decides she wants a baby and she's super horny all the time after that yeah because like before she's like not at all and then she's like I'm a child and then she kind of goes back to how she was before Mm. and then she gets super possessive over the daughter and is like yeah I'll be around her mm. even though I really enjoyed looking at that relationship between him and his daughter and I was like Edith what are you doing I know oh I don't I get... do wonder whether we're swayed into seeing Edith in a not so flattering light Mm, but at the same time it's not as though all the women are painted as villains and the men as heroes because no they're not Lomax as well yeah we don't like him whatsoever but then obviously I think you know we all really like Catherine yeah so yeah so I say and we love what even is the daughter called oh I can't remember Grace 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 yeah yeah we like Grace as well so I don't know how was it misogynistic because I mean like that's a genuine question I'm intrigued I need to read up more about it um but 
No, because I don't know either. Because, like you say, surely if it was, if it was a misogynistic novel, there wouldn't be mm. many, if any, redeeming character, redeeming qualities in any of the women. Yeah, but the female characters, like the male characters, there's a mix of, to put it in kind of black and white terms, good mm. and bad. Yeah, males and, and females. I think it just shows like women being as broken as men are but also like I think it more so shows women being victims of patriarchal system yeah. not necessarily like imposing that system on them because it's more so showing like how yeah. Edith is restricted to um being a wife mm. and having like I think a lot of resentment comes from her not wanting to marry him but she feels like she doesn't have any other choice and then she yeah. resents that she couldn't go on that trip to Europe Mm. so in that sense it's more so like showing her how we come to resent her because she resents how like this patriarchal system made her be like that and the same with grace that like she tries to get an education Mm. and then she ends up like basically becoming a mother and then like she took the sentence alcoholism as she's restricted to having a home life Mm. yeah so I think when you look at it that way it's more of a comment on the entire system as opposed to the individual men in this book because it's kind of they're all they're all going all the characters are going through the motions and the ways that are expected of them even if they don't want that themselves but none of them have the power to break out of that change mm. that because of how oppressive the system is yeah and even like with Catherine how she's the one who's forced to leave the uni like both of them are having the affair and yet she is relegated so I wonder whether people read read that as like Williams being like oh the men always comes out on on top but actually he's just showing how how life was yeah like he's not really condoning it or he's not Mm. really going yeah I agree with this or no I don't agree with this it's more he's just displaying it to Mm. us yeah exactly I think it's a bit more nuanced and it's logical for the time period that it's set in yeah Um, hmm, I don't know I think especially with Catherine I love her character because I like that we have a strong female academic as well um and I you know I always love a love story so Mm. I really like that I don't think her main purpose in the book is just to be like this object of desire I think that it just isn't that like I think it's more showing a bit more of his vulnerable side and yeah because you don't yeah you don't see that in no many other points apart from potentially with Grace yeah I think he's just that she comes in to show that more vulnerable side and adds some romance to the book but she's not purely just like a product of that relationship yeah and like I don't think it would change the book that much if they weren't in a relationship like she's still very much personal in her own right like she publishes her own stuff yeah um but I think it's just so like one of the like rosier moments in the book definitely and it's I'll sweet I agree mm. but yeah before we run out of time um let's discuss Grace what what are your thoughts? I really liked her. And I mean I was I mean I've already said that I was annoyed when Edith was like, yo, 
don't have this I don't know don't let your daughter sit in your study and read with you as you but, no but then it is I feel like you could have a really interesting book about Grace's life and yeah definitely it would mirror Stoner's in some ways mm. also mirror it would, yeah I think I think it was interesting because I guess like you've touched on previously when we mm. were talking about whether it's misogynistic or not and the fact that she because I guess Grace in a way doesn't have the same freedom as Stoner did to kind of change his degree and pick English and kind of run with that she's maybe kind of more shoehorned into this life of just being a wife and a mother that she doesn't really want Mm. Mm. yeah I definitely I think if there was a sequel to this book it should be about Grace's life I agree Uh, and Mm. she's one of the more interesting characters because she grows up being so angelic and so much love from Stoner and then is somehow warped by Edith. And I, it's amazing how she presents so much love and light. Yeah. And then by the end of the book, then she doesn't even see her father, like when he's about to die. Yeah, I know. Because she's been estranged from him so much. And, and she goes yeah she ends up also being a reluctant mother like mm. I'm uh, again it's another interesting thing because I I always love when that's there's that kind of cyclical structure yeah. in a book okay. and things start to repeat themselves which feeds into the entire premise of the book once again of it being like you know what's going to happen and you kind of know what is going to happen as well with Grace's life because it just starts repeating like it's her mum's life as well yeah so it's almost like through this book you kind of see in a way everyone's lives because they'll all kind of pan out in this same sort of way and I guess that then feeds into the fact that they're like oh he's nobody special because this book could have been written about anyone Mm. and it would have had the same themes and ideas of the time being presented yeah Mm. Mm. interesting but it's still a really good book and would highly recommend yeah more people Absolutely. reading it yes yeah. 100 percent. please do love please it do. and yeah they've there's like a penguin classics edition that is quite widely i think printed, it's available in all good bookshops the one you gave me was a vintage one as well yeah vintage penguin classic whatever it is oh are they it's the same print. thing well i think uh... Oh, it's vintage and imprint of Penguin. Penguin classics, and now they're vintage classics? I don't know, or just vintage? I should know this as a publishing student. <laughs> I should know this as one thing to go wrong with, but never mind. Anyway, yeah, yeah. The ones with, with the um, red spines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, is it blonde moment time? It is blonde moment time. Blonde moment! I am sad that we didn't have enough time to talk more about the women, but, you know, knees must. Yeah, we can I talk mean, about some incredible women now for our blonde moments. So we can, and I, I'm sure you have an incredible woman, and I've got an incredible woman. So, oh, okay. Do you want to start? If you're saying that, I'm just gonna pull up the, um, the internet page. Oh, I can tell you more about her. Okay, okay. I, I went along the lines of kind of 
academia, university, mm. English departments, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And I found the head of the English and creative writing department at Exeter University. Um, Professor Vike Martina Plock. I mean, a fantastic name. Don't tell me you've also picked the same person. No, I haven't. I just didn't realise that she was the head now. Yeah, she is the head. There she is. Oh, Jason never mentioned that. Um, She's a professor of modern literature and culture. She's written several books and numerous articles, including Joyce Medicine and Modernity, Modernism, Fashion and Interwar Women Writers, and the BBC German service during the Second World War, Broadcasting to the Enemy, and things like that. So she, fantastic academic, head of the English department, and Exeter has one of the biggest English departments in the country. So whoop, 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 look at her go. Wow. Um, Did you know that's Jason's wife? No. (laughs) Anyway. Yes, on to mine. Um, I've chosen Josie Rawl, um, who, I mean, she's very famous for directing theatre and film, but I specifically chose her because she directed Lemons, which I believe Ooh. is still on, um, well, it's Lemons, 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 <laughs> the official title. Uh, I think it's still on in the West End. Um, not for much longer, though, if it is. Um, so check it out straight away um, and I just thought yeah because I went to watch it so I showed you there and it was really good um, but I thought it would be a fantastic choice because um, she was the I think she was like the first female director like artistic director of which one? Oh, the Donmar Warehouse um, and she was the first female theatre director to be appointed the artistic director of a major London theatre it was really cool um but she's done loads of really really cool films like she did um Mary Queen of Scots she directed that and she's directed like she's done much ado about nothing I think a couple of times like she did the one with David Tennant and Catherine Tayton oh yeah she's done loads of stuff she's also vice president of the London Library she is an incredible woman yeah she is doing the most um, wow yeah her wikipedia page is extensive so she's incredible though so big up those wonderful women that's very cool wow yeah. wonderful women all round mm-hmm. exactly um so that is it for today's episode and what a wonderful episode it was a wonderful episode yeah. go out and read stoner absolutely we will be back next time with what ella Back with a bit of Elton John, which is very exciting. We're going to be watching his farewell at Dodger Stadium. Yeah. How long has he been saying goodbye for, honestly? He's been saying goodbye for a long time. Um, (laughs) I think he's maybe finally finished now. But I'm sure he'll come out and, you know, do do something else again at some point. He can't help himself. He loves it so much. Yeah, love it. Um, so yeah, we're gonna get to we're gonna watch that and we're just gonna nerd out about Elton John. Well, not really, yeah. nerd out, fangirl over Elton John. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a super fun music episode. Yes, so very much looking yeah. forward to that. Yeah, so we'll see you next time for that.
Thanks for listening to Clear Clock with Keller. See you next time.